From the brains behind Teal the Show, this is Teal the Podcast, your source for Jaguars news and analysis with NFL insider Mark Brunel and your host, Cole Pepper. We welcome you into Teal the Podcast as we come to you from a nice and cool, you may hear the fan in the background. You gonna turn it off? You, Would you like me to? You turn can it off? actually talk in this while we. No, it feels nice. Oh, I have to talk in this podcast. No, but you can just sit there by the fan. Uh, well, do you hear the fan? I don't want it to be a distraction. I, I don't think I. Think I want you to hear my voice very clearly. Yes, I. Well, I can hear it, but I don't know what it's gonna Let's sound like. Let's turn the fan off. All right, this is. Uh, we're we're in the head football coach's office at the Episcopal School of Jacksonville once again with the lights out, the blinds drawn on what has been the warmest day of training camp so far. Uh, it's nice to feel the air conditioning. Cole, I'm just grinding. Yeah. Get gr- ready for practice tonight. Mighty I, Eagles are taking the field. I like the fact that um, grinding. That that you're in here doing, as I arrived to record this podcast, Mark was putting on his administrative hat. <laughs> Which is a bigger hat than the head coach hat many times. <laughs> Maybe more important. <laughs> it's definitely more important. You're getting, I need a secretary. You're getting guys' numbers assigned and you everything You think Maselli else? would come in and be my administrative assistant? No chance. No, you're probably right. I, I I can think of some other teammates who might want to do that, <laughs> but I don't think Baselli would be high on that list for me. By the way, yeah, you're probably right. Speaking of Baselli, um, he is the only name among the great Jaguars who has not yet, as we record this, been unfurled in the Jaguars All 25 list. He'll be number one tomorrow. Okay. Spoiler alert. Tom- okay. You know, so I did he, not know that until you said that. Yeah. So Fred Taylor today, as we record this on Wednesday. Uh, released as the number two player. Jimmy Smith was three. You sure Todd Fordham's not going to be number one? I Are you sure? I can't tell you. Are you I'm sure? sure no, I don't All right. know. Well, I, he's my, Todd's my vote. Zelenka did get a vote, uh, you know. <laughs> I, so I did, I, I did, I'll tell you this. Um, I was one of the voters on this thing, and I don't know how many voters there were, a dozen or guys who have covered the team for a long, long time. Um, some names that you hear a lot now who still cover the team, others who... Have moved on. You know, Vic Ketchman was a voter on this. Okay, um, I like Vic. Always love Vic. Uh, so there, Pete Prisco. A lot of people who who cover the team early on and continue to at some level. Uh, and as I went and sat down, they gave you a list of fifty. I think they gave you a list of fifty-one players to choose from. One of them was Mercedes Lewis, and they said at the time. They weren't sure if he was going to retire or not. They were only allowing players who had retired sure. to be a part of this list. So you couldn't vote for Jalen Ramsey or Calais Campbell or something like it's that. It's a good thing you couldn't vote for Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> I'm not sure where that I would have been. I might be down the list a little bit. <laughs> I don't know where that would have been. <laughs> I don't think I'd be at five. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pun. And you wind up at five, as you mentioned. Um, but so, but Zelenka was one of, the, one of the guys on that list. Okay. And I'm thinking, well, okay. Okay. Uh, I, so I voted for him. Actually, I think I voted for him 40... I, in, I ranked them myself before I inserted the official vote, um, and uh, and I put my ballot out online. And Joe said something to me on Facebook about, "Hey, all right, thanks for the love." <laughs> Let me ask you this: Did you do research, or was it more gut from memory? Just kind of how? What was your? Yeah, my how process. did you go about it? Your process—that's the word. My process. Uh, so what I did initially was I sat down, old-fashioned, with a notepad and a pen, and. Just what's that? What 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 are, what are those things? These are uh, ancient artifacts that were used by <laughs> men. Okay, many many men of old. Ago. <laughs> men of old. I started writing a scroll. Um, I went from one down and just started. Who's the best player in Jaguars history? Mm-hmm. Then who's that? 
and I went down this list, and when there were guys who I thought, boy, this is a tough decision, I would circle them all in a group and then go back, and I went back to decide that. There were a couple of groups I had to kind of decide about where that all fit in, um, including the uh, group of uh, Puzlesny, Daryl Smith, Mike Peterson. Mm-hmm. Those guys, you think, boy, tough. how do you separate what those guys did? And so part of that, then I went back and took a second look at it and, and pulled up some numbers um, and said, well, all right, length of service is part of this. Impact plays is part of this. Plays in key times, memorable moments, part of this. And so that's how I sort of fit that all together. Um, that probably hurt guys who played between 2000 and 2006 mm-hmm. more so sure. than somebody who played in 07 because you had playoffs, you know, and you got Khalif Barnes probably got a little benefit there because of the right. greatest hold in Jaguars history. <laughs> um, so, but uh, that's how I kind of d- decided this. So I started with my own thing. And of course, a lot of you will know this. Some of you who are just coming to listen to the podcast or may not necessarily know the background here, but I was on the Jaguars broadcast from 1997 until 2011, something. 12, something like that. Long time. For a long time. So it, it was it was a, a big primary focus. And now, of course, working Channel 4 and having worked at radio stations. Covering the Jaguars has been the primary focus of my professional life. So it doesn't take you a lot to start putting the list together. Um, so I started with that, and then I took the list that the Jaguars provided, and so well, these are the guys. There were a couple of guys that were not on the list the Jaguars provided that I would have written in okay. um, to that, and, and for the life of me, Clyde Simmons wasn't on the list, and I'm not sure really? why. Again, short short yeah. career with the Jaguars. I get that, but that was one of those impact plays. Absolutely, uh, early early years and so forth. So that's what I did. Um, boy, other people must really like you because they voted you higher than I did. Well, that's a maybe we should maybe just hit the pause button, and discuss that, <laughs> have a few have a few words. Let's discuss this off air. Now I had you number eight. <laughs> Come on, partially because Pepper. partially because of number eight. I, I like the, the the synergy there, but. Um, I'm okay. Yeah. I need a moment. All right. Take a moment. <laughs> so here are the guys I had in, the, awesome. in the top 10. And you tell me, and so we know my top four were the same top four mm-hmm. as, as the Jaguars had. Okay. Who Which, was your five? Who was in my spot? Uh, That's to, all we got to talk about from here on out. I have out. to go back and take a look. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you now you forget who's number five. I, might have been Marcus Stroud. Might have really? been. Really? I think... Uh, I love Stroud. My, really? Maybe Brackens. I'm not sure. Really? Possibly. Really? Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Really? I'm going to keep saying Really? i got to get a defensive player in there somewhere. No, you don't. You yeah, don't. You, do. <laughs> you don't. You just don't. <laughs> all right, keep going. Go. What else are we talking about? No, so Let's I talk wanna, about one, two. So this is, and this is the thing. You think the big argument in the top ten is who's one and who's two. And right now, we know uh, Fred Taylor's number two. Right. We, I mean, and so that obviously, it's like announcing... The runner-up to Miss Universe, you know who the winner is then. So Baselli's going to be number one. Um, I, I voted Baselli one, mm-hmm. Taylor two, Jimmy three, uh, and I think that is the to me it that's a, those three got to be the top three There's in whatever no question, way, right? There is no question. I, I, once you get four through eight, take your pick. Yep, maybe I, four through seven. I would agree with that too. Uh, so, who would you go with? 
Um, those guys were both your teammates for a long time. Here's first of all, it's 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 how it should be. Um, it's not wrong. They're not off. Yeah. But there are different ways to look at it. Tony, uh, there's a reason why he will someday, hopefully someday soon, be a Hall of Famer. He was great. One of the best to ever play left tackle. Um, he did have a shorter career, um, but when you think of great players for the Jaguars, and you don't use that, I don't use that term lightly, it really is Tony Baselli. So he's one. But there's another way to look at that. If you look at the body of work and the impact that the player had on his, on the Jaguars, his career, mm -hmm. the years that Fred put in, you can make an argument that it's Fred as well because he was here for, for uh, quite a few more years than Tony was. And obviously, great games, great numbers, big wins, big runs, big plays. Um, so I can see where some people would put Fred at one for that reason, um, but but they got it right. You got it right. Tony should be one. He was the first pick. Turned out to be a great player. I get it. The foundational player yes. of the franchise. Yes. The, part, and part of this list, I think, has to be about more than just stats. Yes. Right. Because you can do a statistical list and figure a lot of these things out. Part of this is about story and impact. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and, and both of them made big impacts on the Jaguars. But for the first pick ever for the team, and the guy who we both believe will at some point be the first Hall of Famer ever, yep, and to be playing at a position that right now you don't find anybody anywhere near the level of play that you did in those. So he's playing in an era full of Hall of Famers. Orlando Pace and Walter Jones and right. Jonathan Ogden and these right. guys. That was a that was a bit of a golden era of left tackles in the NFL. You don't have that right now. And he played it. If Tony Baselli's playing today, he's the best left tackle in the game, and it's not even close. It's a great point. It's a great point. If Fred Taylor is playing today, he is a great player, but the conversation about who's the best Ezekiel Elliott. Do you like Todd Gurley? Yep. Yep. There's even even in an era when the the running back has been somewhat minimized in terms of what people think the impact is sure. on a team. There are guys who are be making big impacts on teams as running backs. Um, where did Fred fit in there? He would be right in that conversation, but it wouldn't be there wouldn't be a mile and a half gap like I think there would be with Baselli. Right. So spot on. So you're sticking. You, 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 uh, like I said, Searcy. if I if I was voting, uh, I would put Tony at one. There's there's no question, and um, and I would put Fred at two, and then and then and then Jimmy. Uh, I think they got it right. Um, Who's the best defensive player in Jaguars history? Oh, see, that's that's tough. I really like Tony Brackens because I saw it. I was mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Tony had the ability to win a game whenever he wanted. He probably made more impact plays yes. as a defensive player when when it was when it was. In the early years, like he, he, he got that sack when we really mm -hmm. needed him to. Yep. Huge impact. 96, 97. Yep. Yep. He was a, a phenomenal player. Mm -hmm. um, Stroud did it for so long. And, he did. And, and was more, I think, st high level steady. And so when you start talking about what do you like out of these guys, Baselli, if you were just going to track game by game performance, Baselli's peak was. Game-wise, 
you, you, you could find a, a peak that Fred had that was as high as Tony's best game. Fred's best game was you know, whatever that was, 234 yards in Pittsburgh. Right. Uh, Jimmy Smith in Baltimore, his, right, whatever those games, you could find those peaks. But if you take season-by-season season performance and start to, to map them out, mm-hmm. Tony was performed at such a high level year after year after year. Right. While he was healthy, it, it, so consistent. That's why I'm thinking from a defensive standpoint. To me, Stroud was... He didn't play yet. His peaks were maybe not as high as Bracken's. Yep. But he and then Henderson probably right underneath that. They were very good for that four or five year stretch when they were playing together. That was a pretty tough combination. Yeah. And I wasn't, uh, uh, Rasheen Mathis was pretty good. I mm-hmm. wasn't here for those years. Right. I was playing, I, I played against Rasheen, you know, mm-hmm. so I didn't really firsthand get to see the impact that he had. I know he was very, very good. In fact, when I was at Washington, I think the first play of the game when, when, Jaguars came up to Washington. He picked me off, um, but uh, really good player. Uh, it's just hard for me, you know, unless you're paying attention, unless you're here mm-hmm. and understand the impact of just how good he, he was. Uh, it, it would be hard for me to say. But defensively, I would go with yeah Stroud and Brackens. Anybody else in there? I mean, you know, your defensive line coach. Not was a, a lot. Good you would think there would be more. Yeah, you I, know. Yeah, I was gonna say your defensive line coach was a pretty good player at his best. Yeah. Uh, but again, Kevin, Kevin talking Hardy. about Kevin Hardy, his um, his 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 EK, uh, career EKG would be up and down a bit, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think those are the 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 defensive players: Bracken, Stroud, Henderson, and then Mathis probably fourth mm-hmm. uh, on that list of, of defensive players, and and the top three offensive players you mentioned, and then uh, uh, Maurice Jones-Drew obviously was a major yeah. impact player for this franchise. Yep. There are there are some guys who I think their impact has been. You know, history looks at guys differently over time. Joel Smangy for a long time was the Jaguar sack leader. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and 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 long time you can identify how long a guy's been a Jaguars fan based on how they react to hearing the name Joel Smangy. <laughs> That's very true. Because if they hear the name Joel Smangy and they go, who was that? <laughs> or or the, there's only two so reactions. True. It's either who was that or Joel Smangy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's one or the other. Yeah. So anyway, it's, it's well, been good, a fun good thing. Good for Tony. Good for Fred. It's, I'm, I'm happy for both of them. And I think you guys got it right. Is it going to top make... Three, you got it. The top three, you got it right. I'm not going to speak to the, to the others. How about four? Mojo? Well, now, you, now you're getting me involved, and I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I think about you that on have the podcast. Three. You think you should have been four. I didn't say that. <laughs> that didn't come out of my mouth. But you're on the wall, and he's not. Oh, there you go. Just yet. There you go. Uh, all right. <laughs> I want to shift gears here and talk about a storyline that, that is really developing at Jaguars training camp. Um, you were out of practice the other day, and... Um, you may have observed some of this with your own eyes, but I've heard a lot of this from players I've talked to about what's going on with Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. And I, I ask offensive players, older veterans, younger guys, hey, what's it like? What's he like? What, what, what is he like as a quarterback? You get a lot of positive things about him, but the one thing that everybody says to a man is they talk about his leadership. He's a leader. Yep. Um, what does it take... To be a leader in the uh, from a quarterback position in the National Football League. Well, I, I think let, let me go back a little bit. I think it's being said often is because in recent years past, to a degree, there has been a void of that. Mm-hmm. 
So you get Nick Foles to enter into the equation, and, and this is something new that hasn't been around for a while. Um, in Blake's time, it was the team carrying Blake, kind of bringing him along, mm-hmm. hoping for the best. He's our guy. They loved him now. They loved him. But Nick Foles is a player that is he's a, he is a good leader, uh, but he's the type of guy where it's, where it's it's quarterback driven and not the rest of the team driven, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. You know, uh, Nick Foles has had enough experience and enough success where he knows what it's supposed to look like. I'm the quarterback. I put the team on my shoulders and we go win games. Blake wasn't that. Blake wasn't that guy. Mm-hmm. Now again, they loved him and he did his best. He was limited at times. Had some great moments. Had some very good seasons. But he just, as a young quarterback, he. He wasn't ready for that mantle. That wasn't it. But um, leadership is a lot of things. And everyone probably has their own take on it. And every guy who is who is uh, said to be a good leader, they have their own specific traits. And I think one thing that I think one thing that stands out for me at the top of the list, it's it's not what you say or what you do, it's really who you are. It's pretty clear to this team that, that Nick is the guy because it's important to him. He's a great communicator. He's like another coach out there. He knows the system. He's a positive, hardworking guy. He has all the components of a, of a franchise quarterback that you're looking for, which is great. You can't, you can't just narrow his leadership into one area. He's doing it all real well, and, uh, and, that's, and that's new for this team. and It's very good, and that's where it starts. That's exactly where it starts. When you were playing, um, and I'm going to reference something that John Filippo said uh, today, the offensive coordinator, when talking about Foles and his leadership, he said, you know, he's the guy who wants to know about what who you are away from the field. Yes. He'll ask about your kids. He'll ask about your mom. He'll ask about your dog, whatever it might be. Are those things, did you go out of your way to, to do that as a leader? and Or did you have to learn as you came along uh, you came into a situation here where it was a very young team, by and large, with a few veterans right. who who did a lot, who were expected to do a lot of the leading. But as yep. you grew, you also had a left tackle who was sort of the big voice in the locker room. Yep, leadership is learned. Ask Nick Foles what he was like his first three or four years in the league. He's not the guy he is now. You develop, you learn, you figure out what works. You kind of find out who you are and what kind of leader you're going to be. And I don't think that speaks as so much to the to the quarterback or the the Jaguar player. That speaks to the person. Mm-hmm. Nick Foles isn't the only person to do it. He just happens to be the quarterback, and because he does it, it's noticed. Um, Nick Foles, first and foremost, he's just a great guy. He's a character guy. His faith is strong to him. If he was the, if he, it, it's certainly not an act. If he's the punter. If he's a linebacker, if he's a safety, Nick Foles, it, it's still coming from Nick Foles. That's who he is. Mm-hmm. He's a really good guy. And the fact that he's the quarterback, um, I think that's, I mean, it's it's awesome. It's it's just, a, it's, it's icing on the cake. It's the cherry on top. Um, for me, it, I had to learn it. I had to get comfortable in that. You know, uh, typically, you know, early on, I was, you know what, I'm not a vocal guy. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to, you know, become the franchise quarterback here. I'm trying to figure out if I'm even going to be on the field and be the guy. Um, and so early on, I wasn't real comfortable being the quote leader. But 
and I knew that. So I was going to outwork everybody. I was like, listen, I gotta, I'm trying to figure out this leadership. The one thing I can control right now, the one thing I, I know I'm good at, I'm going to bust my ass mm-hmm. in everything I do. And then as time, you know, I got more comfortable, I got more vocal, um, became a better leader. And uh, uh, so it's, it's learned. You know, I, I, leaders, I don't, think they're, I, don't, I don't think they're necessarily born. You develop into that. Interesting. I've been talking with um, my brother this week for about uh, personality types, the Myers Briggs and some of these other things, right? And we're going through and looking at at different personality types of people in our family or you know significant others and so forth, and talking about that. And there are some of those that are more leadership oriented, particularly those who are more extroverted, typically, but not always, Um, and some other things, and and. So I, I kind of feel like it might be a little bit of both, that you yeah. you may be born with a personality or develop very early a personality. Type A or whatever. Whatever or it is. Whatever. That may, whatever. They, but there are 10 different branching roads down there, and maybe only one or two of them leads you down the path of actually being a leader. It's not just what you have. Right. It's how you use it. And and there was so much to learn because you're talking about dealing with other human beings. Right. And Which leads me to an article that Pete Prisco wrote uh, recently on CBS Sports. Uh, he had talked to Dee Dee Westbrook uh, at training camp, and um, Dee Dee had talked about some of the things where there was a breakdown in leadership last year, guys going in their own directions. Right. Um, even Pete referenced a point, I don't think this came from Dee Dee necessarily, but he was referencing that Calais Campbell was being ridiculed for his leadership style by some younger players who didn't think Calais, you know, who, who were tearing Calais down. I heard that. I heard that, actually. Which is unbelievable to me that that would be allowed to stand in the National Football League when you have a guy who, A, is performing at a high level and has performed at a high level, B, who is a pro, who takes care of himself, who is a mentor for younger players, and who is that spokesman for the defense in yep. so many ways. Um, and I asked the question, because that's part of why I asked the question about Foles, is this a problem that is in the DNA of this locker room right now that has to be purged? Can it be with the addition of guys like Foles or Chris Connolly? Do you have to outnumber it? Or are there guys who have personalities who once things start going bad are going to start pointing the finger or saying it's my way, I'm going to do it this way, and I'm going to care about individual stats? Like That's a real concern for this team this year in my mind. It is a concern, and the question is now, how come now it's all of a sudden different? You know, mm-hmm. what happens on a team is it, it has everything to do with your record. When things go bad, and it, it, it's, it's happened on every bad team that I've been on, when things go bad and the team isn't winning and the coaches are on you and the, the pressure from the media and the fans are booing and all this stuff, for some players, and a lot of, a lot of players, typically young players, but some o- older players too, they make that shift from, you know what, I just got to worry about me. I just got to worry about mm-hmm. me. You know, I just got to protect myself, worry about my game. And, and uh, that's just human nature many times. Or maybe it's just it's human nature for, for football players. That happens. But to hear, the, to hear that about last, last year, I think it was a product of the frustration and the record and things like that. It's, it, it speaks volumes about the character of the team as a whole. Not everybody. And I would, I would based on my experience... I would suggest that there was probably four, five, six guys in that locker room that were kind of the the 
um, that were instrumental in that. And just ten percent that, of the and, roster. And that's and it's those guys are always around. Yeah. And unless there are guys like like a Foles or a Conley, um, if that goes unchecked, then it can get really bad. I mean, that's the the NFL about winning games. There's such a small margin, and it's not about the talent or as much staying healthy or all of these different things. It's really that locker room. The makeup of the locker room is is huge. And last year's obviously was bad. How much of that's on the coach? Sometimes Cole, the coach is, even though he's in it, he's not in it. Mm-hmm. He's not in that locker room. You know, he's not. He's, he's, what's the word? I'm not going to say distant. That's not the right word. Separated. Not disconnected because on the field, listen, he's he's there and he's saying all the right things. There's a hierarchy. Room, there's a structure. It's different. There's it's different yeah. in the locker room, and that's why you've got to have some, some some core leadership in there. And the best teams, you look at the teams year in and year out. Uh, the the Patriots, the Saints, uh, I mean, who who else? The, the teams that are pretty look, good. Look at the Steelers last year. Fell apart as well. Exactly. Strife and internal they struggle, rooms. and that's yeah. what happens. But listen. Drew Brees is not allowing that to happen. That doesn't mean he's going to win the Super Bowl every year, but they're going to be in it. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady is not going to allow that to happen. And and, uh, and so we haven't used the word yet, but their culture is so important. But you can get four or five bad guys in there that are just looking out for themselves and start chirping. And if those players are older players, guess what the young, impressionable guys, you know, Everyone kind of kind of gravitates towards the guy that they like and they kind of agree with, and then when that guy turns bad, oh, that must be how you do it in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it, it it can be a disease. Once you get it, can you get rid of it? Especially if some of the guys who are pulling in, you in their own directions are You can certainly, if you identify it, you can get rid of it. If you identify it, you can get rid of it. But sometimes those guys are your best players. Mm-hmm. That's what I was saying. Sometimes if these guys your are guys are your best you. players, and... You know, eventually those guys aren't in the mix. You know, sometimes, you know, he's a really good player, but we're just tired of his stuff and mm-hmm. we can't do it. We yeah. just can't do it anymore. And if there's a player that's a really good player, he's getting paid tons of money, but he's a pain in the ass, you know what? It might be time to move on. Mm-hmm. Which, know, so which in some regard is was behind the Dante Fowler move. Absolutely. Right? Yes. Just wasn't, you know, the well-documented, uh, you know, fight and arguments with... with Unique Ngakwe, uh, when it, that was going back to training camp. Yep. And that was a warning sign back in training camp, and it obviously played its way through the season. Well, that's something we're going to keep a close eye on. Um, I've not had a chance to talk with uh, guys like Jeff Swain um, at this point, Cedric Abway, he if he winds up playing extensively. If though, I don't know what kind of leadership impact those guys are going to have, um, but I do know that Conley and Foles certainly have that kind of right. uh, presence. So we'll see if adding those guys in will make it. Let me add one more thing on yeah. leadership. Leadership is great. If you're playing poorly, it doesn't matter what kind of leader you are. You know, mm-hmm. you could be a great leader, but if you're not get, uh, if you're not producing, if you're not meeting expectations, then nobody cares what you say in the in in an NFL locker room, yeah. and that is a fact. Yeah, and so in the past with guys like Puzlesny, Mercedes Lewis, some of these other guys. Their presence certainly felt. We've talked a lot about this last year. Yeah, we certainly did. It, goes it was that. true. You missed a couple of those guys, and it changes everything. And five and eleven. And we'll see how it turns around this this week. Next week, Jaguars go to Baltimore. They'll be playing their first preseason game. We'll talk about that one coming up on the next installment. 
Uh, they'll also be working with uh, the Ravens on two combined practices. Things are starting to heat up here as we get closer and closer to the start of the season. Getting close. Mark, uh, get back to work assigning numbers. Yep. Back to, to high school football. Eagles. And we will see you next time. Remember, you can subscribe to Teal the Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And as always, you can find Teal the Podcast under the Sports tab on newsforjacks.com. For Mark Grinnell and the air-conditioned luxury of the head coach's office, <laughs> I'm Cole Pepper. Thanks for listening to Teal the Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.